UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, howling in the street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. I hit my brand. I think we're live, but I just got to hit my intro real quick. I'll edit this out if I have to. So I'll just, I'll just read the introduction. I don't I, I figure so I would have um, problems. Like, um, okay. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have another fascinating guest with me today. Like this, uh, this, this funny story. This is a recommendation from Raynetta Jones. Um, so she recommended my guest. Now he's a he's a real whistleblower. Um, who I have with me is Stephen D. Kelly. Website stephendkelly.com. Um, he uh, is the host of Truth Cat Radio every Thursday at 9 p.m. Um, and uh, he's a real whistleblower. He's a laser electro-optics engineer, laser pioneer, and inventor who created laser-aiming weapon systems for military use. He was contracted through the NSA, CIA, and other government agencies to provide high-precision laser technology as a company, SK Industries. As a career jeweler and a precision optical engineer, Stephen became a laser pioneer, creating the world's smallest laser-aiming system, dominating the world's solid-state laser model production through contract with the NSA, all over North Gang. This would ultimately lead to the formulation of SK Industries, laser aiming systems that would produce the Law 17 laser aiming system designed for and used by Western special groups for anti-terrorism. The Law 17 laser is still to this day the most accurate laser aiming system ever produced. The same laser was a standard spectrum component for every satellite due to small spies and stability. After falling out with the CIA slash NSA, Stephen became exposed to Billy Meyer and his Pleiadian contacts. This exposure and Stephen's experience in micro Microphotolithography connected his experience to silver electroforming and led to discoveries that were eventually used to provide special components to experiments and speed of light propulsion or beam construction. Through this work, he's made aware of multi-level underground systems and tunnels and bunkers that exist under the Getty Museum in Santa Monica Mountain, Los Angeles, California. He devoted more than a decade of his life making people aware of this city under the Getty as a hub of child trafficking, a system that tunnels that connect this site to deep underground military bases or dumbs, a place for advanced technology and a place for the global elite to retreat in case of a global apocalypse. He's an author, a scientist, and a radio host. Kelly has made significant contributions in various fields, including laser technology, alternative energy, and paranormal research. This biography tells 
into the life of Stephen A. Cohen, a fascinating journey that led to the publication of his book, Lasers, Cabers, and Magic, in 2011. And I want to give him a big warm welcome to the show. Stephen, thank you for joining me. How are you? I had to mute for that one. I just don't want to interfere. That, that was actually a great bio you did. The only thing that's missing is uh, Reiki Master. You know, I know a lot of people are in all that healing and all that stuff. So that's kind of a big deal right now. But we can... Well, one, one, thing, one thing that I cover on the show that also is you have you have psi, psi abilities too, right? You have psychic abilities? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So I hear. So I'm told. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I don't like to brag about that stuff. It's, it's kind of gross when people do that. Yeah. So, oh, how did you? Oh, well, let me ask you this. Like, so you were you worked for the NSA, CIA, and everything for a long time. But Raynetta told me that you've actually built UFOs before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wouldn't say built them. What I did was I, I developed processes for manufacturing that were basically picked up, and. I mean, first of all, it's it's a big process, okay? So so uh, I got ex- because of the Billy Meyer stuff, and because of my photo uh, microphotolithography experience, which is essentially semiconductors and that kind of a thing. Uh, I figured out how they're making this stuff, and and the thing is, is I'm I'm kind of like, uh, you know, when you get into that science stuff, there's one of the things I was big in was silver. Okay, so, and silver is what they make these things out of. That's why they're shiny and silver. But the big thing that happened, uh, and this is really skipping it, because it's like this is what I was doing right before I got shut down, whenever it was, uh, however, 20 years ago or whatever. But uh, <clears throat> I, was, they were, I was working with the University of Colorado, and they were doing light speed propulsion stuff. And basically... What happened was uh, I developed this process of making really thick silver, really pure thick silver plating, and we call it electroforming. And I put it out there on the internet on my website, Law 17, and all that, whatever it was, SK Industries. That was my company. And sure enough, I knew I knew that this was a manufacturing process. I just was knew there was a customer out there waiting to have somebody say they could do it. And sure enough, as soon as I posted it. Here comes the University of Colorado, Fort Collins, which is just down the road from, uh, what is it, Denver Airport? You know, if you're any familiar with the area right there around Denver Airport and Fort Collins and all that, right up against the mountain, there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on. <laughs> all kinds of, but anyway, so I was part of that, and in the process of that, they told me all about it, but basically what it is is that, uh, <laughs> this is so cool, actually, the, uh, <clears throat> To achieve the speed of light, and this is, of course, something I came up with, too, is that you actually, actually, only light can make you go the speed of light, okay? That's how you propel yourself the speed of light. You're pushing, you're making light. So what it is is the, uh, I make, I'm really big in solid-state lasers, and that is basically when you activate or you energize a, a lasing media. Well, it turns out that silver is a lasing media, and what they do is they put this in a magnetic field, Okay, the uh, the substrate has to be in a magnetic field, and then they expose it to plasma, and plasma is just like uh, compressed. It's like an arc from a uh, high arc, high uh, short arc xenon lamp that's been compressed. I mean, I don't know how they do it, but it's electricity that's been compressed into like a little ball of sun, puts out pla- its plasma, 
and the plasma causes the gold, or you know, in this case, silver, to degrade. The gold was for the Ark of the Covenant. For this is light speed. Anyway, the uh, silver, what it does is it puts out UV light. You know, I heard you guys talking about UV light earlier, but yeah, UV light is the uh, is the wavelength that they use to push these things, and and it just so happens that the silver produces UV light. Now, now here's the thing: is that it takes about 40 when they when they activate this thing, it's putting out so much uh, light you can't even imagine. You know, because a little solid state laser is just a tiny, tiny little thing, and puts out enough light to damage your eyes. But one of these things. I mean, this is like a 20-foot diameter laser, basically, and it puts out just, I can't even imagine just how much light it puts out, you know, in optical energy. But, yeah, so it's like riding a fire hose of light, basically, and it, and it takes about 40 minutes to get to the speed of light, and then they have to switch switch their energy to matter, matter and energy and back and forth, and then they do the Akashic Record thing, and then they can be wherever they want to be. That's, that's how that whole beam ship travel works. But anyway, yeah, well, a silver is a conductor, right? Well, yeah, silver is a conductor, but the thing about silver, there's a lot of things about silver, but the most special thing about silver is that it has super high resolution when it comes to building things. Like if you were going to build a computer chip, the higher the resolution, the smaller you can make the little goodies, you know, the little traces and all that. And that'll determine how much computer you can cram into a small space. It's the same thing applies. Uh, so in other words, mankind's technology right now is limited to a certain, I don't know, however many nanometers or something. But ultimately, the smallest construction that we're going to be able to do is silver because of all the different metals and, and you know, whatever that they're going to try to deposit. The silver has the ability to form the tightest little connections. So, in other words, the silver gets into the the, the uh, nooks and crannies that nothing else will get into. Okay, it's just super, super. In other words, you can you can line up silver ions one next to the other and do 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 with copper or whatever. It's going to be all over the place. It'll be sloppy. Silver silver is super high resolution. It's the only material it'll do that. Gold won't do it. Silver. And we're talking now non-ferrous metal, which is something that you can actually plate with. You can't plate with a ferrous metal like stainless steel or whatever. Okay, that's so. So in other words, the non-ferrous metal is really important. And I could go on and on about silver, but just suffice it to say that if a, a beam ship is technically it's like a big giant semiconductor. It just it, they, it takes hundreds of years to build the thing. They last forever. Uh, comp every square inch of the silly thing has got endless amounts of computer potential built into it. It's just ridiculous because the entire thing is a semiconductor. And at the same time, the actual material, like on the outside of the stuff, I mean, don't get me wrong, they have lots of methods of, of propulsion, but these, this is one of them. This is the one that they use to get up to the speed of light. And uh, basically, like what I said was, the light coming off of the substrate or the silver is coherent, which means that it's completely perpendicular to the surface that's emitting the light, and the rays are parallel. So if you have a very flat surface, you will be putting out a very columnated parallel beam, very much like a laser. 
So, you know, you, you get the idea. Yeah. And it's backed up because a lot of people report on the scene, you know, UFOs, scenes, sightings, they'll find silver, molten silver, and uh, and people get too close, they get a, uh, you know, sunburn, <laughs> that kind of a thing. Anyway, yeah. But uh, that was just one thing, yeah, so... Well, one thing I was going to ask you was like you've been uh, what I, I, I went back and watched some of your videos. You've been speaking, you've been doing conferences and giving lectures since 2000, I think 10 or maybe 2012. I saw some of your videos like that you've done. And um, so you've been a whistleblower for a long time. Like, what do you think is going on with like the UFOs? Like, I mean, there's a lot of talk of like disclosure and and I mean, what do you think we have as far as like secret space program stuff and like what what do you think we could verify if you had to if if, if you had to speculate like I, I don't expect you to know but like what would you say if you had to you know what i mean i do know actually um well you know i know there's so many things we should talk about before we talk about this but uh but let's just go ahead and, and i'll just mention a few things like uh Okay, the first thing we should probably talk about is the whole CIA business and the NSA business. Yeah, that's fine. Wherever you want to go with the conversation, that's, it's up to you. Well, it's just that uh, throughout this whole so-called CIA thing, at different times with different players, you know, they kind of come and go. They'd always be making these efforts to try to get me out to Area 51 and, and stuff like that. So it was always different. And in the beginning, it was kind of uh, subtle. All right. Now, so let me just start at the very beginning here because it's that's fine. Yeah, that's my best. Listeners that don't know who I am and I don't, you don't really, I, what I kind of wanted to do tonight before we get into the fun stuff is uh, I want to give you a little different bio than, than what's out there. Okay. Because I kind of think about it, people, well, like, oh, there's a lot of stuff I don't say. Yes, there's a lot of stuff I don't say, but I was kind of dwelling on it a bit. So I, so I, I'll start out like let me say just first of all, uh, when when we were growing up, when I was growing up, I was born in 58, but I grew up during the Vietnam War. OK, so kids growing up during the Vietnam War were shipped off to war after high school. That was just, you know, we all had that hanging over our heads going through school. So so shooting and being good at shooting was just something that we had to do. It didn't matter where you're living. You know what I mean? I don't know. If, it's not the same nowadays, obviously. But now they shoot school. Sorry, didn't mean that. But uh, but so so I got this gun thing going on, and I'm also a jeweler, and this is kind of important. So a gun thing and a jeweler, uh, and then in high school, of course, I went into this precision optics program, and that's where it started uh, with making the precision lenses. And I got a job at several different companies. I ended up one of the biggest companies I worked for was Perkin Elmer. Now, Perkin Elmer, of course, is part of EG&G uh, now, and they're they're like one of the prime contractors at Area 51. So, but we were involved in everything. I was involved in uh, the semiconductor, the machines that made the semiconductors, and I personally had a big part in a whole bunch of DARPA stuff that led up to semiconductors where we are today. In fact, I kind of made this country a lot, a lot of a lot of money with that stuff, but. Um, and I'm just because I know a lot of people they think this is all BS, and I just need I need these listeners to understand who I am and why why I'm such a threat. But uh, okay, so I did that high tech thing. I made this country strong. I knew how to 
do stuff that no one else could do. I was a prima donna. But uh, when I got out of that because they, they abused me, I ended up with my brother. My brother was building lasers, too, and he got recruited by Don Nixon, nephew of Richard Nixon. And, of course, uh, I'll just tell you right now, Don Nixon was working for a guy called Robert Vesco, and it turns out, and none of us knew this at the time, but Robert Vesco, of course, was, uh, you can look him up. He's easy to find. He, he was actually the number one mafia boss in the world. He ran all the mafias. It's like a big, giant corporation. He was the head mafia boss. This is all... Uh, Epstein and Trump and all these guys are involved in this stuff. Every single one of them. Clinton, Barr, you name it. They're all involved. Oliver North, all that stuff. So, uh, anyway, so I went to work with my brother. I quit the stuff. I went to work with my brother. And that's the same time I did that. Same time, I immediately got hooked up with CIA. And that was during the Iran-Iraq war. And we were selling, we were providing they were using us to provide Motorola radios to Saddam. And then we started trying to provide ANTPQ 30, 50 uh, phased array radar systems to Saddam. And then the FBI got involved and everything got shut down. And uh, let's see, and then, and then nothing happened. That was in 87. 87, yeah, 87. And then around 90. I got hooked up to these what I thought was the CIA. This turned out to be the Oliver North gang, which is NSA. But, again, it's not even NSA. It's this Intertel thing, which is this mafia, which is this whole thing that was uh, ultimately being run by this Robert Vesco guy. Uh, so, in other words, it has not. And, and let me see. Who is a Bush was president. I, the best way for me to remember this stuff is I try to remember who was president at the time something was going on. But um, so I took that gig and I got this big gig to build lasers for the Oliver North Gang. And it was a front company, which is in Costa Mesa, California. Uh, and they were a laser site company. But these lasers, they, 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 the, the order they gave me made me like the biggest laser manufacturer in the world at the time, solid state lasers. And that was kind of a big deal. But still, they're trying to screw me. And still, they're trying to get me out to Area 51. I mean, they said that from day one. Uh, but I had basically what I did was I had my own shop, so I, I told them I had to make my, my circuit boards and all that in my shop, so that gave me the certain amount of independence that it was very difficult for them to put me in a box. Okay, anyway, uh, that fell through, and then when that fell through, I started wearing body armor, and, and I, I and I uh, <clears throat> that's when I hooked up to the guy that was doing the security for uh, Billy Meyer. And that's when I got hooked up to all that whole UFO business, and this was all Pleiadians, you know. And and back in those days, I didn't believe any of this stuff. I thought the pictures were incredible, of course, and it was all very convincing. But but the, from the technology side, they wanted me there helping out because I was like a big gun guy. I was I was a big gun guy. Okay, that was a big thing. I mean, I'm not famous for that anymore, but back in the day, I was a big gun guy. I was scary person with guns, and. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why they're so afraid of me, I think. But, but anyway, uh, so after the but they start after the Billy Meyer stuff, I had the CIA and the NSA and people all over the place all the time. Okay, uh, ch- checking out my friends, hiding in the bushes, following me around, playing on my phone, everything just just the works. You know, this is back in the day, and it really hindered business and everything else. But. Uh, my friends, they didn't like it. They they ran. A lot of them moved out of state because they didn't like, you know, 
snoops running around, spooks I call them. Uh, I had Men in Black in my garage because I was doing the silver stuff, and I, I was putting, I did this thing where I put these crystals in the silver, and something happened. I discovered something, and it was like, I think it was like a free energy thing. I'm still researching that, but it really pissed them off. I had Men in Black in my garage. Uh, crazy stuff was going on. Uh, Wait a minute. What did the Men in Black look like? You, you remember? Like, what? What did they? What, what did they? What did they react like? This is all in my book. Just for anyone that's interested, you get my book. You email me, I'll give you my book. But uh, these guys are watching over you all the time. I mean, they're watching me because, you know, I was doing crazy. Well, these are actually involved with the Templars. Okay, I'm getting to the point where I was dealing with this stuff. Uh, but eventually what happened was I had a couple handlers come in, okay, CIA, so-called, uh, they're cavers, okay? These are guys that come from underground bunkers, so we call them cavers. Turns out both of them were lizards, you know, and, I'm a, and I know that sounds cliche, but, yes, my my experience with people who were shapeshifter uh, reptiles, I had two in my life. One of them was Vince, I don't remember his last name. He was a nice guy. The other guy was Tom Hansen. Uh, both were handlers. Vince was, I had a CIA project called the uh, Plasma Beam, and this is when I was on the outs of the CIA. I took over this project from this guy who invented it. Well, the guy who invented it was leaving the CIA, was running from the CIA, so he hooked up to me, but then eventually he flaked out, so I went back to the CIA guys and said, hey, man, you want to market this or what? And uh, next thing I know, I got Kroll International. You can look that up. They're a big, giant defense company. They tried to turn this flashlight to a weapon, and sure enough, the flashlight was a weapon. It wasn't just any flashlight. But anyway, uh, the guy that they sent to handle me was Vince. Now, now Vince kind of blew He was one of the ones that really first kind of told me I figured out what was going on under the Getty. All right, now, because this is before we did any of the remote viewing or any of that stuff, but I, I had my suspicion. I can't even really remember the details, but... I gave him a, I emailed him a section out of the protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion where they talk about the metropolitans, the undergrounds, the tunnels, and all that sort of thing, you know, because that's what we're here to talk about. And and he kind of freaked out because he said that, uh, he said, no, 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 we're not all Jewish. We're, we're actually Nazis too. And this is where I kind of first heard about the whole Jewish Nazi thing, sharing everything and all that. Uh, and that was kind of strange. But the other guy, Tom Hansen, he was uh, he was weird. They all, these guys all had characteristics that you could tell. They weren't really used to being human for a very long time. But Tom Hansen actually hooked up to my mother just to get to me. <clears throat> and he posed as this uh, really rich dude, and he was throwing money around, and he promised me tons and tons of money. And uh, it was like $60 million or something like that, of which... 51% was going to be mine. But anyway, uh, turns out he flaked out because he kept pushing me to talk about silver. and But he never said silver. He said non-ferrous metals. But the whole thing was because I was under surveillance, they knew I, what I knew about the silver. They were trying to get this, of course, was another guy that was trying to get me out to Area 51. And what blew it for him, he was actually in Colorado skiing with my mother, and I was talking to him on the phone from Anaheim, and he starts talking about the non-ferrous metal again. I'm like, hey, this non-ferrous metal you're talking about, this is silver, isn't it? And he's like, uh, yeah. 
you know, I'm like, and you know a lot more about me than what I've told you, and et cetera, et cetera. And basically, I kind of lost my patience with the guy. You know, I wasn't about to, I wasn't going to play games anymore. And I said, all right, you get back in town from your little ski trip. I'm going to be waiting. And we're going to talk about that money because I want like, you know, 10 grand right now. I mean, I was just back in the day. Anyway, that guy disappeared. He slipped my he slipped through my fingers and managed to drop my mom off at home and split. And uh, turned out he was a nobody. He didn't, his credentials didn't work out and all this crap. But years later, I found out that he was a reptile when I was doing a psychic session with, with one of my favorite guys. And uh, I was talking to Rambo. Rambo's my alter. Okay, I know you get into all that stuff, too. Have you heard about Rambo? I haven't heard about your altar now, but I know about altars. Okay, well, my altar's name is Rambo. I don't know if if he qualifies for an altar because it's hard to say. I think, you know, we're kind of, there's a connection, but it's not like he's a, you know, like people talk about the super soldier stuff. It's kind of not quite to say. Anyway, all right, well, Rambo's this real badass. And uh, anyway, I was talking to him, and through this psychic. I was talking to whole kinds of people, but I decided to talk to him. He told me, I said, well, whatever happened to this guy? What happened to this guy? And that's when I found out that both of those guys were uh, reptiles. And now Vince, of course, they killed him. They gave him a heart attack. He was in New York. I don't know what it was, one of those big streets in New York. And, and they just, you know, they give him a heart attack. They gave him a heart attack on the street and put him in an ambulance and he was dead after that. But the other guy, we never saw him. He just disappeared. He ran away, and I never knew what happened to him. But according to Rambo, he was tossed in the lake of fire. And I'm like, wow. You know, him and his posse got a hold of him and tossed him in the lake of fire, which is apparently why he split. And I realized right then, when that guy was running away from me at my mom's house, it wasn't running away from me. It was running away from Rambo, you know, because he knew what was going to happen. Because I'm all about guns. I found out later this guy had a gun in his Chevy up underneath the fender well. That's where he kept his gun, up under the fender well, like the back, one of the rear fender wells, you know, in a little box with a magnet and all that sort of thing. Kind of like a hide-a-key, only it was a hide-a-gun. Yeah. Anyway, but I'm more scary than those guys. But uh, anyways, but after that, it finally got to the point where... uh, I went through that recruitment process. They knew what it was about. Then we got to the, they got to the whole Getty thing. Um, but by this time, I was kind of like stuck in, it, stuck in it all, right? I mean, they had screwed me up pretty badly. Uh, starting 1990 on, I was kind of under the radar, if you will. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I didn't, I wasn't, you know, everything kind of stopped. I think my last time I had a driver's license was 93. Probably the last time I paid taxes was 1990. But what are you going to do? You know, it's not it's not real. It's not paychecks. It's not, <laughs> you know, it's like I. And besides, they told me once I got sucked into that stuff, I couldn't get out of it. And then and then after I left that NSA guys, I couldn't. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to fix it. And then along comes this guy, Tom Hansen, the one that hooked up to my mother, the one turned out to be a reptile, and he's all. Mr. Insider Insider, I mean, this guy just was incredible, the names he dropped and stuff, but he's like, he's like down in San Francisco looking at my tax records, like, oh, let's just do this, this, and that. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, 
next thing I know, I'm like a nobody for the rest of my life, if you know what I mean. So, but anyway, um, but eventually I got hooked up to these guys under the Getty, the real cavers. And these guys have been lurking around for a long time, you know, these caver dudes. Because it's just like Vince. Vince was the first one to basically talk about the caves and the bunkers. Okay, but they killed him. So I think he said too much. When I, when I talked about the Metropolitans and he revealed to me about the whole Nazi thing, they killed him shortly after that. But then, but then the other guy, uh, we didn't really talk about that. But I kind of I figured out what was going on. He brought, you know, it's just it's a, it's a long story. I was learning so much back then. I mean, like the asset forfeiture program, the entire asset forfeiture program pays for this stuff. I know you want to talk about a secret space program or crap. We could talk about that too. But no, no, I, I just want to hear your story. This is this is all great. This is good. Well, we'll, we'll get there, <laughs> but. Uh, but anyway, the Getty story is is a very con, very crazy stuff, and I know a lot of people freak out about this. But this is what's what's really important, you know. All this all this uh, mafia, CIA, NSA stuff kind of leads up to this, <clears throat> because, like I said, the whole time we never really knew just how thick thick it was, you know, with the with the people we we're dealing with. We're always trying to figure out, well, what do, they, what do they want? What do they want? What is this really all about? You never really, never really know for sure. But uh, anyway, there was this guy who was recruited, being recruited to be the uh, trust fund manager for the Getty, and he was he was a buddy with this uh, friend of my brother's. And because of this, we, uh, I was able to reach out to him. He didn't know me because it was going through a couple different people. But his whole experience as he was being recruited. Uh, was fed to me, and then I would brief these guys, and it would be fed back to him. So, so we we gave him a lot of questions. We answered questions for him, and so in other words, while he was being recruited and going through this process, and basically what they were doing is they're recruiting him to be a Templar. He's a real life Templar now, assuming he's still alive. But uh, we, my information, of course, comes from channels and psychics and. Palladians and, and, you know, personal experience. The stuff that the uh, enemy gets is all through technology. You know, the enemy doesn't have the skills that we have, the psychic skills. They, they develop it. They work on it. But it's like they're the Sith and we're the Jedi. Okay? They, there's a lot of stuff they, that we can do that they can't do. And so because of that, they rely a lot on technology, like alien technology, uh, Atlantean technology, and and this sort of thing, Tesla technology, and what have you. So they, so in other words, for them to see into the future, they have to use technology that allows them to access the Akashic records, typically. And of course, you've heard about Looking Glass. I know a lot of people talk about that, but from from what they told me, that stopped in 2012. Okay, their ability to look forward stopped in 2012. They hit a black wall. That's what that's what they said. There's a lot of other stuff going on involving dimensions uh, and this kind of stuff that they told me about. But what's really important that no one talks about is this concept of densities. You really have to understand the concept of densities and the nine, the nine levels, you know, 369, all that Tesla stuff, before you can really understand how it all works, the mechanics of the various different, uh, you know, the aliens, the angels, the demons, heaven, hell, uh, Ascended Masters, Holy Spirit, and, and the Source, Creator. Uh, those are the nine levels, essentially, except for humans 
plants and animals and rocks. <laughs> Those are the bottom three levels. That's where we're at. But the things that we're talking about, the alien stuff, that's, that's in fourth density. And it's really easy to get that mixed up. And humans, especially like if you look at Hollywood and what have you, they can talk about dimensions, but they won't talk about densities. So because of that, they can't really fathom what's really going on with an entity from the 4D coming into the 3D or an entity from the 3D going into the 4D, which is, which is what you're doing during spaceflight, you know, with beam ship when you hit light speed and you switch into the 4D for a split second, and then you can be basically anywhere, and then you switch back into the 3D, and, and then you slow down <laughs> and arrive at your, your, your destination. That's how this beam ship stuff works. That's why they don't have kitchens on these little UFOs. <laughs> you know, it only takes 80 minutes to get there. But uh, Anyway, that's a diversion. But, but yeah, the, the Getty thing here, you know, all right, the other day I had the FBI at my door, okay? I was actually doing talking to Renetta. We were going to do a little thing on her show. You know, she's got 4,000 people on her, her YouTube. You've got like 10,000. I had I had a lot. They took me down, of course. You know. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> but the thing is, is that uh, when, uh, when they were at my door, you know, they asked me a lot of stupid questions, but eventually I'm like, well, what's, what's going on? Why aren't you guys investigating what's going on in, underneath the Getty? And they, they basically took off. They don't want to hear anything about that. They, they know what's going on. But the, 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 the reality of this, and this is why I'm such a Wait, I, I just want to, like, some of my fans might not be familiar with, like, what you talk about the Getty. Can you explain what the Getty is and, 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 and how, how you find out about it and, what like, what's going on there? Because my fans might not know what it is. You know what I mean? All right. Sorry. No, no, that's okay. I guess that's really part of the story I started to go off. But anyway, through this association with this guy that became the trust fund manager, we found out about the bunker. Now, I first found out about the bunker when I was talking to Vince, you know, the lizard guy, because I confronted him because it says in the protocols, basically, that they're going to build these underground cities, you know, chapter, whatever. I mean, it's pretty easy to find. But uh, so I confronted him with that passage about the undergrounds, and that's when he freaked out because he knew that I knew. And he started talking about Nazis and everything else. But the, the real... Suspicion started when uh, my brother went on a tour. This is before they even knew who I was. He went on a tour. This is before they even opened the museum officially. And he got to see the big uh, elevator. Okay, they got a big elevator. Now, now, bear in mind, when I talk about bunkers and stuff, and I say there's a bunker under the Getty, it's not just under the Getty. It's under all of Los Angeles. Okay, and then some. It's under Los Angeles and Hollywood and goes all the way out to San Bernardino. It's really big. Okay. It's really big. But so, yeah, so it's kind of a misnomer to say because people, they think, oh, okay, this they look at this museum and they go, ah, that's not big enough. They think that there's some little, like a basement underneath this thing. Well, yeah, they've got a basement, and the basement's six floors deep, and the footprint for the basement is much bigger than the footprint of the entire museum, which would tell you something. I mean, hell, there's a ventilator fan on the side of the hill right there. It's got four big fans, 
and each one of these fans is bigger than a pickup truck, okay? There's four of those things blowing fresh air down into this thing down there. Now, even if that was for the six levels of basement, you know what I mean? There's, we're yeah. talking some big air shafts. You, you can look at You can Google Earth and look at it. You can see it. And here's the other thing. When, uh, when we're talking to the, before we even knew the, the, about the bunker underneath it, we knew right away that this thing was a fortress, and, and they didn't hide it. And when, when you talk to the guys, I mean, we, call it, we used to call it Fort Getty. The way it's built, the, way, the shape of the walls, the way the hillsides are, it, it's a fort. It's like a castle. There's kill zones all over the place. There's, there's machine gun pits. And, and the roads leading up to it, the various little, I mean, of course, they control the access, but there's, you have to go, there's actually one compound that, where the CIA supposedly is housed. I mean, that's what they said. They go, that's where the CIA is, and they're the guys that handle the dogs. You know, they, and they, they also mentioned that the dogs are trained in Yugoslavia, not German, you know, like most of your Belgian, Malawan, what have you. So that was their little thing, but uh, but like the entrances, if you like, for instance, if you were to take one of these back roads up, there's like three or four back roads up to the Getty. They've all got gun stations, like that CIA thing. If you look at it, there's there's stations there. There's like you could see what you know. If you look at satellite, of course, it's like you could see what it is. It's it's a little defilade, as they call it. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You ever been you military, ex-military, anything like that? No, I'm not. My dad was, but I'm, my grandfather was. I'm not. All right. Well, anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. All right. So, so, so we after that, you know, because we saw the he saw the elevator. They went and had the, this is when the first remote viewer was brought in, and this was a pretty good remote viewer. Came in from New York, and she was kind of a pagan, and she went down there and saw everything, and she kind of freaked out. At first, she didn't really freak out because uh, she was uh, she didn't really say anything. Like for instance, the, when she got to the whole satanic stuff, she didn't really want to talk about that too much. She kind of played it off, like uh, the, they all, these satanists. Whenever they come up against stuff like that and it's uncomfortable, they always say the same thing. They go, you know, God and uh, God and Satan are the same thing. They always say that, you know, which is true if you believe in Yahweh, because Yahweh is their God and Yahweh is Satan. But that's a whole other. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but uh, but there's but here's the thing though. So after that, uh, immediately after that, we never told anybody. We didn't tell them that we were doing this remote viewing session. But I knew right away as soon as my brother called me up and said, "Oh my God, this is what she said," I I thought, "Oh crap, we're dead for sure." You know, this is like because several times in my life I thought, "Oh my God, I'm dead for sure," but this time I thought, "I'm dead for sure." But they didn't. You know, they, they freaked out. The Getty freaked out. The guy that was being recruited, Jim, I think his name was, he had a handler, and his handler's name was Aaron, and Aaron freaked out. And he, uh, we thought for sure he was going to put a hit on us. So the very fact that Aaron freaked out told us that this was real. Or otherwise, he wouldn't have freaked out, you know, because he told Jim <clears throat> to stop dealing with us. He didn't want Jim to have any more connection, contact with us whatsoever. And that's when, 
they said, well, Jim said, no, these are my guys. And you want, he said, you want me? I think these guys come with me. You know, these are my posse. So he said, okay. So, so they did, that's when they were trying to recruit us, okay? And they still didn't know about me at this point. And they thought my brother was Mr. Psychic Guy because they were getting all this information from me through my brother. So they thought he must be this big psychic. Anyway, uh, so they offered him a job. In the, but basically it was like you got to be part of the military. You know, they give you a rank and they pay you so much money. And then once you do that, they own you, you know, because you're military. Once you're in the military, they own you. Uh, but um, that didn't happen because I told them don't do it. But, but eventually I had, to, I had dinner with uh, this guy, Jim, and my brother and his friend. And uh, that's when he, Jim, figured out that it was me and not my brother. You know, that was the one they were looking for. And that's when he told me, I mean, by this time it was under, we, it was well understood that there was a bunker. You know, they weren't hiding it anymore, okay? Uh, when we were talking with these people, they, they knew that we knew, you know. In fact, my business at the time, SK Industries, was all about uh, special forces stuff. So I was, of course, I was like a world leader in, in lasers for weapons. I mean, my stuff was like the best in the world. And I only made stuff for tactical. You know, I was like a tactical genius dude. And I had stuff that, you know, the military didn't have. And, and then I had the plasma beam, which was scaring the crap out of them because I figured out that I could turn the plasma beam into something that could disintegrate steel. <coughs> anyway. That's interesting. What? They were scared. What's that? That's interesting. Like, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, you want to know how the plasma beam disintegrates steel? I'll just tell you really quick. Um, yeah. Plasma is like when you take, there's an arc of electricity going between two points, right? That's an arc. And then you use, uh, uh, you compress it by using magnetism and the, uh, what is it, the, uh, the pulse. Okay, you're pulsing it. You're pulsing it in such a way that it's going to get really small. So you now you're, it's like you got this little tiny thing suspended between these two electrodes, right? And then so it's going to be, boom, you're going to make a plasma. Then you get your little ball. Now you got a plasma, okay? And uh, the magnetic field is generated by the process. Anyway, a plasma can be pulsed, or it can be like, I mean, you can pulse it, but you can also pulse it so that it resonates. So when I say resonate, Okay, it's kind of like a heart. Here's the thing. People think of vibration, but there's two kinds of vibration. There's a vibration like a guitar string where it's going, and then there's a vibration like a heart where it's going, like this. Okay, kind of like a black hole, all right, or or a heart or da-da-da-da. Okay, when that happens, your cells do that too, I should mention. Uh, but when that happens, it puts out a wave, okay? Every, every pulse, it puts out a little wave. Okay, so... So the point is, is that the plasma does the same thing. You can generate a wave. And if you do that at a high enough frequency, you can break glass, right? We all know that. Oh, you know, you do that at a high enough frequency, you can break glass. Plasma works the same way because the pulse that's coming off of it is like sound. It works the same way. Okay, so in other words, pulse light 
works the same way as sound. Called sound, okay? Because that's what it is—a sound, a vibration, a sound, a resonating. Uh, it's a resonation, okay? It's not a single note. It's a note that's resonating. But it's resonating at a super high frequency, so it seems like it's continuous. But anyway, so the point is, let's say if you were a soprano or whatever, and you're singing, and you could get your frequency high enough to break glass. If you could get it even higher, you can break steel, because steel is a crystal. Okay, like glass is a crystal. You're breaking a crystal. That's like when they'll use a crystal glass to, for that experiment. So now here's the other thing is that a, uh, a parabolic reflector on a flashlight means that uh, the energy that's coming from the little ball of light as it spreads out equally in every direction, it hits on the parabolic reflector, which causes that light to be culminated into a laser-like beam. Now, the quality of the, depending on the quality of the parabolic reflector and the focus of it to the beam, the proper focus, if the ball of light is plasma and not just like a line of an arc like, or, a, or a filament like a regular light bulb, it's going to be a tiny ball and not a little line. So that means because it's a tiny ball, you're going to get an absolutely perfect focus on that parabolic reflector. And now you've got a laser beam type beam of flashlight. And if you pulse that thing at the proper frequency and you point at it, you know, this is how I, I, saw, I told this, uh, <laughs> this spy from Israel. I said, yeah, you could point it at a tank or maybe an Apache helicopter and, and all, this, all the steel will disintegrate. And they're like, wow. And the next day I had Israel calling me up wanting to buy a plasma beam. I'm like, no, how'd you, who told you? <laughs> anyway, long story. <laughs> I, that was the second time I got in bed with it. That was the last time I got in bed with the CIA. And like I said, when I was doing that, uh, I was kind of anti-CIA at the time. We were fighting. And uh, that's why this guy came to me, because he was fighting him too. And, and I took over the project, and then he bailed. But uh, when I got back together with the CIA, I told him, they, you know, they said, hey, uh, you know, you mind working with us on this thing? You want to? They were going to make me the manager or marketing manager for this thing, you know, because they were going to pay for the manufacturing and all that. But uh, I said, well, you know, the last time I worked with the CIA, it didn't turn out so good. And he says, oh, and he he goes and he does some research and he comes back to me. I don't know the next day or so he calls me back. He goes, oh, that was the Ollie North gang. That wasn't us. He goes, uh, he goes, you know. There's some bad apple. We're not all bad apples. You know, so here's the CIA guy calling Oliver North a bad apple. I know a lot of people don't remember who Oliver North was. I do. You do. Okay, yeah, you do. But to a lot of people, he's a hero. But but he's not. He's, I mean, the, the stuff that nobody really knows. I mean, nobody talks about the stuff that the Contras did in Nicaragua. They weren't a whole lot different than ISIS, okay, who we also made, you know. And yeah, we made bin Laden, too. I mean, people don't realize that. Like, we, we, we funded bin Laden before he turned on the U.S., like, right? He never turned on the U.S. He's always working for it. Well, you guys, when you say U.S., wink, wink, what's the U.S.? I mean, it's like I said, it's really this big mafia. It's this, and it's a world mafia, Uh 
and they do control both parties. I mean, there was a time when this mafia didn't really control both parties. There was like the Democrats were on one side, like I think they were like the Italian mafia, and the Republicans were the Jewish mafia. Well, the Jewish mafia won. <laughs> well, we didn't even call it the Jewish mafia. Now we call it something else. <clears throat> but uh, but Intertel, Intertel is the name of the real organization. But I gotta tell you, and a lot of people trip on this because. When, when Robert Vesco, well, I'll tell you, Robert, I'll tell you a quick story. Robert Vesco and Don, Don Nixon got in trouble with my brother. My brother got in trouble with Don Nixon because he took him up for a few hundred thousand dollars or something like that. And he got all upset and he went to Cuba and had a sit down or whatever with Robert Vesco in his home in Havana. And the Castro police bust down the door and throw him both in jail. Uh, we never heard from Nixon after that. He got out of jail eventually. I read the newspaper, but. Vesco died over there. He died. They didn't let him out of that jail, no matter how try, how much the United States government tried to extradite him and come up with all kinds of BS reasons why it's more important that he go to America instead of being in jail in Cuba. And that's why we're really upset with Cuba. But, but the thing is, is that I always wonder, who took over the mafia after Vesco died? And the only clue I have is that Vesco was also the CEO of Resorts International, which had the big nightclub or what is it, casino in Florida, and I think they ran stuff in the Bahamas too. That was all that Jeffrey Epstein business. But Donald Trump took over as CEO of that establishment. So, you know, between those two individuals, I'd be hard-pressed to try to find out who took over the mafia. Go figure, right? There's a question for... for uh, Inquiring minds, you know. I mean, most people don't even know who Robert Vesco is. They never heard of Intertel. They think the mafia is some Italian thing, you know, or Chinese or, or Russian or whatever. It's, it's this is where I get controversial, so I'm not going to do that. But but here's the thing about my mission. I'll just kind of jump to that really quick, and this is why they're really afraid of me. But when I had that sit-down meeting with those guys at the Getty. For, you know, the trust fund manager dude, he said flat out, after he realized that I was the one they were looking for, I was the neo person, he, he wanted to know how I was going to do it. He said they could see into the future. They can only see up to 2012. And 2012, coincidentally, is when I went public. Now, like you said, I had been speaking publicly before that. I mean, I'd been speaking publicly when I was in the gun business. You know, I mean, but I, I'm a trained public speaker, and I used to teach public speaking a little bit. I was in Toastmasters, but I was part of groups. I mean, before the Internet, that's what we did. You know, we would have public gatherings, and we would do speeches, teach. This is how we taught each other. And then we would film it with a little camera and share it like that. But, yeah, this was all before Facebook and everything else. But, um, but yeah, in 2012, I, I came out and I released my book, which I called Lasers, Cavers, and Magic. And, obviously, lasers for my business and cavers are these underground guys. And magic, of course, is the skill. But I guess I could get to that when... Uh, when they tried to recruit us, okay, once once they figured out that I was the guy, 
uh, they tried to recruit, okay, and their their slogan was, we're all humans, we're not Jews, we're not Nazis, we're not Republicans, we're not Democrats, we're all Earth humans, and what we've really got to do is defend the Earth from the threat that's coming from this interdimensional invader that's coming to get us. You know, that was their thing. And I'm like, okay, okay. And I, I don't know exactly what year that was. Uh, Clinton was president, I'm pretty sure. But, uh, oh, okay, I know what year it was because uh, I told him on one condition. I said, I'll work, for you, I'll work with you guys and I'll try to come up with some way to save the earth under one condition, and that is no more shooting down airliners. Okay, because they had just got down through shooting down Flight 800. Okay, you remember Flight 800? Probably not. I, I don't remember that. Like, um, I don't, why don't I not remember? You know why you remember that. Anyway, well, here's the thing. This was all before Desert Storm, and you got to understand that when we go to war, whenever we go to war like that, we got to do big blood sacrifices. And and one one way to do a big blood sacrifice is to shoot down an airplane. In fact, when I was doing the business, the stuff with the Getty guys, one of the questions we asked them was, why did you shoot down Flight 800? They go, oh, because we missed the, the plane that came before it. And apparently the laser system, or, well, that's actually a, a uh, it's a Star Wars weapon located around Montauk, and uh, it's a, it's a uh, charged particle beam, but they, they led the plane too much, you know, it's like shooting a shotgun on a duck, you shot too far in front of the duck, and they missed it. That's why the plane that went up, they saw the streak of light, go whoosh, you know, past them, well, that's what that was. So the next plane up was Flight 800, and they shot that one down instead. Anyway, I said, no more shooting down airplanes. And then I started uh, trying to figure out how to protect the world from uh, alien invaders. And I realized really quick, these secret weapons, you know, were not going to work. There wasn't anything I could make. There was nothing I could in- invent that was going to not be able to be defeated. All right, and that's when I realized it was all about the psychic stuff, and then I went all into the psychic stuff, and that's what I so that's why I got into psychic stuff because I want to know, you know, how to defeat these aliens. But uh, but then they shot down Flight 990. Okay, and now that was Egyptian Air Flight 990, and they shot it down on Halloween. The second it turned Halloween, you know, 1201. Uh, October 31st. And I knew they were going to do this. I knew it. You know, I knew they couldn't miss that because it's like, here it is, Halloween, they got to do a big blood sacrifice because they're getting ready to do this big warfare in, in, in Iraq. And I just knew they were going to do it. And sure enough, they did it. And that's basically why I said, screw you guys. I wasn't going to have anything to do with them after that. Uh, but I'm still heavily into my psychic stuff. And uh, this is where it gets kind of funny because uh, I learned how to do healing. Um, I learned everything. You know, I, I studied everything. I learned everything, tarot, pendulum, you name it, all that stuff. Uh, I became a massage therapist. I became an acupressure. I became a Reiki master level six. I, you know, I talk, I do the remote viewing. I do all that stuff. And, again, I don't like to talk about it, but, but most of what I do, hey, okay, I have an army of Jedi. I mean, I used to collect psychics. I was doing that. This is why I, when I was doing this uh, psychic adventure, 
I would join these clubs. I was part of this big club we called Poets, and it was for psychics. And we had like 600 members all over the world. But that was like my first endeavor because you had people from every different persuasion, every little occult, BS, pagan, whatever. We had it all. But uh, I wanted to have like a field trip to the Getty and get all these people there and, you know, have a, a thing. But I realized after a while, you don't got to go there. I mean, it's like healing. We don't have to, I don't got to be near anywhere near the person I'm doing the healing. I can do it remotely. So now we've got this big army of, you know, several thousand people who are, a lot of them are trained, you know, they're like ex-military and stuff like that. We were doing that, but we're actually recruiting people now. I call them Jedi because I figured out a way to recruit people and you could actually be fighting demons <laughs> in the 4D that night forever. People go, no, I don't want to do this anymore. No, if you want to do this, you got to do it forever. You take a vow to do it forever. It goes beyond this lifetime. Uh, but it works, okay? Because, you know, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And that gets that whole secret space program and stuff. But you got to guys understand, we're pro-human. We're not here to kill off RH negative. We're not here to kill off clones. We're not here to kill off lizards that look like humans. If you look like a human... You're human, God will judge you. But if you're not a human and you're from a higher level of density and you're coming here via portal or otherwise, that's not okay because right now, basically, there's a hit out. God basically put a hit out on the Anunnaki, the Gray, and the Draco. Okay, because there's like 8,000 species of aliens out there, and those three became the big jerks and made it bad for everyone else. And now those three are going to get genocided and removed from, and we're not just throwing them in the lake of fire. No, we're going to make them non-existent. We're going to throw them into the void. They're going to be part of the void. They're going to lose all identity. Okay. So lake of fire, that's being nice. Okay. Because the lake of fire, people think eternity is like forever. No, eternity is not forever. It's actually like three years by our standards. Because you don't know what time is. There's no time. Our little earth calendars and earth clocks don't work on these other higher levels. That's a whole other thing. It doesn't even move. Our time doesn't even move on these higher levels. But Tom Hansen, he was tossed in the lake of fire. And he came out however many years later, now he's working for us, you know, so it's a, it's a cleansing thing, you know, I mean, I'll tell you all, okay, you want to still talk about secret space program, all right, again, we have technology that allows us to go into the 4D, and, and this technology is pretty much comes from cannibalized beam ships, you know, Roswell stuff, and they take the pilot seat out of a beam ship and they use it for either a jump room or access to the Akashic records because that's how they navigate with the Akashic records <clears throat> but uh, but they build these jump rooms like you know Montauk's got one there's one in El Segundo California that's like that Jared Leto's group 30 seconds to Mars because it takes about 30 seconds to get to Mars so all these elite pricks that's where they go I mean here's the pecking order with this whole underground business you know, obviously, the, there's the bunkers, but before the bunkers, there's 
retreats, you know, like island retreats. I always get the name of the islands wrong. But then after the bunkers becomes the bunkers on the moon, and after the bunkers on the moon comes the bunkers on Mars, and that's pretty much it. So, like, the really elite human jerks end up on on the uh, on Mars. And I'll tell you something about these cavers, is that this whole ego elitist thing, it just doesn't stop. You know how people on the Earth, the surface, they're all thinking that if you got all this, like, you know, you take Trump or, or whoever, people with a bunch of money, they think they're ultra, ultra elite. But the thing is, is that when you go underground in these bunkers, there's people down there who are even more elite. And then there's going to be people that are even more elite than them. And there's all, in other words, the point is, is that when you look at these people that think they're elite, you've got to remember, there's always way more levels of, of elite above that, that that we never even see. But, uh, but okay, back to the secret space program thing. Um, it's all really a, mostly at uh, Vandenberg Air Force Base, you know, over there on the coast of California. And this bunker complex that I am trying to reveal to the world with my mission, is that's basically part of it. So, in other words, the undergrounds... And the deep sea access, which is obviously they don't fly these things up off the ground. They, they fly them out from the ocean because, you know, the ocean is just like outer space. It's pretty much the same thing. Um, you, you've seen the stuff, Google Earth, right off the coast of the California right there. But anyway, they, uh, they keep all the gold down there. They keep their little sex slaves. They, they collect their louche or their adrenochrome, uh, they recruit, you know, I mean, part of this whole human trafficking, sex slavery thing, of course, there's a, a big component of it is collecting these people that they send to these off-planet stuff. And, you know, I mean, there's, and there's more than one reason. I mean, they need slaves. They need people to populate these things. They need workers. And they need food. You know, I mean, that's... You know, like Dolce, they're 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 trying to keep, you know, the Draco, the the, you know, these treaties they make with the Draco and stuff, like they did at uh, Roswell. Of course, that was that was a treaty with the um, Gray, but they've got treaties also with these damn Draco, and uh, they work side by side with them in places, and they they're making deals where they provide them with blood, you know, and human human product. Because the thing is, is on the 4D where these things are they're not just subsisting off of a physical nutrients they also require a substantial portion of their diet requires psychic nutrients okay that's where the louche comes in and the louche is is uh it's sort of like adrenochrome but it's it's a 4d thing and it's human emotional uh, human negative emotional psychic energy. Okay, so it's like fear and and uh, hatred and, and that sort of thing. Mostly fear because depression. Depression can be definitely it, right? That's heartbreak, all that stuff. You know, you're like your heart's broken. You want to kill yourself. That's some hardcore loose right there. But they, oh yeah, I was feeling that recently. Yeah, yeah. But well, don't be feeling that now. Okay, you got to don't be making that stuff. But, but that's what they'll do. So it's like, you know, when they, they torture these, these children, 
during the Lush collection, the you know, our Doritochrome collection, they're showing them, you know, snuff films and, and they're giving them certain drugs, hallucinogenic drugs and things like this. Uh, that's where that's what it is. Okay, so in other words, it's like everyone talks about adrenochrome because that's a three-dimensional thing, but the louche that they're collecting isn't even isn't even real. It's like an energy, you know. It, it's it's something that they're collecting. It's like it's kind of like taking something out of the soul, but uh, but they need that. They need that to live. It's like half of their diet is this you know they've got the blood product and they've got the loose so so obviously when we're fighting these things and i know and we're winning we're kicking their butts because they can't kill us is uh they we shut down any loose production we run into we free souls we can't free physical bodies of children but we can free their souls because the ones that have been killed their souls are, are stuck there you know they they have the ability, the technology to do that. It's kind of like when you're abducted by an alien, people think that you're sucked up with a beam or something like that. No, no, no. They're actually stealing your soul. And you don't even know it because the time difference, <clears throat> time doesn't move for you. The, when, when they've got your soul, they can recreate you on the 4D. And then if they torture you or stick you with stuff, modify your genetics on the 4D, that automatically becomes reality on the 3D. So on the 3D, you don't even know what's going on. You're, you're like a computer program that somebody rebooted and, and uh, put a new uh, update on. You don't even know it. You don't know the difference. You know, you go, wait a minute, something's not right. That wasn't there before. You know, that kind of a thing. That's that's how that works. But uh, just like clones, everyone likes to talk about clones. The only real clones are the ones that are made on the 4D using that process, where they they take a soul. Like one of the big things they like to do is they like to hover around battlefields. Like uh, well, Vietnam was popular for that, but hell, they 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 go back to like uh, Gettysburg, and they'll wait for the you know hang around with their little uh, beam ships. They'll wait for the soldier to get killed and then they whoop suck that soul up and then they they wash it reprogram it and that that person will be working for a long damn time and trust me there's a lot of people like that walking around you know those are the clones but uh, anyway <laughs> that's interesting we're gonna have to maybe do a part two because uh We've been we've been going about an hour and and uh, and you would have five minutes. Uh, Meta, I saw it. I know um, can, can we uh, can we do? Can I have you back on again? Would you be willing to come back on again? Well, of course, of course. This was fascinating. I mean, but, but is there anything else you wanted to cover before we finish up for today? Uh, well, well, I guess uh, just to do a little quick review, I suppose. Um, the thing is, is um, like like I anticipate stuff people are going to say. Like one of the things they're going to say is, "Oh, once you're CIA, you're always CIA." CIA. Okay, I was never a CIA. You know, it's like the stupid FBI guys asking stupid questions. I was a contractor. Okay, I had a contractor to work for these guys to make stuff, and that's what it was. You know, at different times, like the plasma. Beam. Yeah, you're an independent contractor, right? Yeah, I always was an independent contractor, but at the same time, 
uh, they used me to represent them in public. You know, like uh, if I had to go to Toshiba to talk about buying lasers, it was me. You know, but they, Toshiba knew that who the customer was. You know, ultimately. But uh, so the point is, is that you you can't you can't dispute this stuff. You know, like the Oliver North thing. And I mean, I could name so many names. It's ridiculous. I know, I know the hitmen. I know, I, I know all these other CIA people. I know all these people in the DEA, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, people that flew. I know guys that flew drug planes to, to cocaine to loaded with cocaine to Clinton. You know, stuff like this. And the very fact, and I know they're trying to wipe me from the internet. Like, for instance, all my gun laser stuff. And trust me, I was on the cover of Guns and Ammo. I'm like. You know, I'm like really famous for making really, really accurate stuff, and they just wipe that. It's not even there anymore. Uh, so, and on and on and on and on. So, so like I said earlier to you, even my name right now will get you kicked off of uh, YouTube. <laughs> That's why we're not on YouTube right now. Huh? No, we are, we are, but I might have to take it down. I, but I, once it, once it streams my other sites, I'll take it down. Like, but like the people that are getting to see it live will will get a chance to see it. Like, but you know, like, and and I'll leave it up for a little bit, and then you know, I'll, I'll probably you know, like you know, just because we said a lot of we said a lot of stuff that will get us taken down, and it's not your fault. It's 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 just like it's just I know what they look for. You know what I mean? I know what the AI looks for. It's the AI. You know. It's uh, it's it's you say Gary, it's you know, if you say that, it's like saying COVID or something. Though it gets, it's not so bad for COVID now anymore. We could talk about that too. Oh my God, bacteriophages. Oh yeah, lysine. Take your lysine. If you don't know about lysine, L dash L Y S I I N I. I'm sorry, S I N E. You got to take the lysine. It'll keep you alive. If you don't, all these people say that's how you boost your immune system and stay alive and beat this crap. And keep from going sterile. Because if you got a shot, you're going to go sterile. All right? And die. But if you take the lysine, you could probably beat it. Is that a vape? You got That's that amino acid, right? Well, lysine is amino acid, yes. But DNA is made of amino acid, right? So, trust me. The lysine will keep you alive. There's only three things in the world that will basically kill the COVID. And that is lysine, THC, and CBD all of which they don't want you to have. But lysine, you take that every day, you're never going to get sick. That's just, you should do that. That's cheap. Like, I take THC on an everyday basis. I just took a gummy while we were doing this show, you know? Well, <laughs> well in that case, uh, you know, geez. But uh, I know, I get, I do these shows, and I'm like, hurry up, oh, I, got, I got something I got to do over here. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's 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 just do this again, because I know... You know, you got 10,000 people that are new, and I want them, of course, to go check out the Telegram group and Google my name and, and, and email me at lost17gun at AOL.com and get the book. And it's a PDF, but you can also look look it up on YouTube. Uh, it's still up on YouTube, my book, <laughs> until somebody tries to take You see, it's not, under my, it's not my account. It's somebody else's account. But the uh, Lasers, Cavers, and Magic is an, uh, is an audio book on YouTube. But I will send you the PDF for free. And if you want to learn how to become a Jedi and fight demons at night, send me an email to lost17gun.aol.com. Also, what else? Oh, yeah, healing. I do healing. I don't care what it is, blindness, cancer, COVID, whatever, sciatica, sci- you know, you name it. 
I'll, I'll fix it for you, okay? So just send me an email. That's free, of course. Rainetta just gave us a good idea. Uh, she said for us for me to make the video private, which I don't know if that helps. Like, if somebody in the chat could tell me before we go, does that help? Like, to make the video private, will that help from like the censorship? Like, technically, um, yeah. Technically, if it's private, I think they can't really take it down. I mean, they might do it anyway. But I'll tell you what we should do is maybe have it private, but just send out links to everybody. I mean, if you have the link, you can get to it, right? Yeah. So we just yeah. tell everybody to push the link. Maybe maybe that will get around the nonsense. That's what I'm, I'm going to leave it up for a little bit. I'm not going to take it down right away. Like I, I'm just going to see what happens. I'm not going to monetize it either because then if you monetize it, then that draws issues. But if I leave it not monetized for a little bit, like you know, enough, it, usually everybody sees it like in the first three or four days. You know what I mean? Like, so, like, th then that's how long it takes for, you know, like, I'll get, like, 2,000 views or something in, like, two days, and then, you know, it'd, it'd probably be a good idea to take it down after two, three days, or make it private or whatever. Like, um, Selena said, what about Patreon? There's not enough people on Patreon to watch it. Like, but I will have it on my Rumble and Rockfin and Odyssey and my Spotify. So all my regular channels. So it'll be on all those channels, too. Like, all my audio It'll be on every audio site I'm on, which because once I post, plug it to one audio site, it'll be on like Apple Podcasts, all that shit, um, Spotify. Then it'll be on Rumble, Rockfin, Odyssey. So, and then it'll be on YouTube for a couple days too. So, you know, um, so we'll be, well, we'll be good. I hope, I hope I see a whole bunch of new people joining the Telegram group because that's really the only place to get involved in this stuff right now. Because did you give me the link? Because I put, I, let me see. I have your links here. I have, um, oh, I have, yeah, I have uh, t.me. Oh, wait, let me uh, let me drop these links in the chat real quick. Don't go yet, Stephen. I'm right, just well, going to say this. If, if you join Telegram, and first of all, it's best on a PC because if you're doing it on your phone, you're going to have cash issues. You're going to be dumping your cash constantly. But uh, join the, get it on your device, and then find us where Occupy the Getty slash... Stephen D. Kelly. And there's about 4,000 of us in there right now, I think. 4,000 something. Oh, yeah, cool. And then, uh, let me see what we got here. Occupy the official Occupy the Getty page. We need a space in there. <laughs> Truth Cat Radio. Okay, well, it, yeah, you did, YouTube didn't, um, it, uh, it, it, it jumbled it all together. But it's, it's in the chat. It's in the chat, and it's all like, you know, I think People it's, figure. and it's in the description, too. It's in the link, the description of the video, too, guys. So, you know, you guys can go check out, like, I always tell everybody at the end of the video, if you, um, if you want to do anything for me, if you want one of my shirts, if you want to donate any, all the links are in the description and then all Steven's links are in the description as well. Anything you guys want to check out, but, um, yeah. Anything else, Steven for tonight or no, thank no, you. No, I, mean, thank yeah, I mean, we'll come back and do this again. And I'll tell you, if there's anyone else out there that does these podcasts when I have you or you know somebody's doing podcasts please hook me up because it's like this is all we got you know and especially if that what is it they call it, the restrict act if that goes through we're all in trouble okay and that's that's really bad that thing coming through and there there's a good chance it's not going to happen but if it does go through oh it's going to be the most nazi thing you've ever seen and they're going to take away all our, all of our, whatever's left of our free speech and our ability to do anything on the internet. They're going to take that away. I mean, you'll, they'll throw you in jail just for using a VPN. I mean, they're going to. It's not just outlawing TikTok. They'll say, oh, 
no more TikTok. No, it's going to be everything. You know, they take down TikTok. They're going to take Telegram. You take it all. But do you think they just do that for fear tactics to get people scared so that it releases loose? Or do you think it's a real thing? Of course. The entire media does that. That's why Tucker Carlson quit doing his job. The the entire media does nothing but cause that to happen, filling people with fear and, and nothing and all that. We we really it's like, you know, Renato said, you know, we are that powerful. We we can change the rotation of the earth. We can we can repel aliens. We've got that kind of power. But uh but it's the fear right now is the enemy because it's like like I said, this this Getty thing has been going on for since twenty twelve. They know we win. They know they can't stop us. It's just a matter of when. And the harder we work and the more motivated we are, the quicker it's going to happen. And they're terrified. And the only thing they can do to even try to slow it down is kill as many of us as possible with COVID and nuclear war and Fukushima and everything else. And this is why it's imperative for us to hurry up and do this so we can fix all the damage they've been doing. We can repair the damage to everybody's DNA. We can get rid of the Fukushima radiation and try to save the Pacific and bring the fish back. There's a lot of things we got to do. We got to get rid of these damn chemtrails, etc. You know. <laughs> I agree. Beyond and on and on and on. <sighs> so there. Well, okay. and we'll finish up for tonight. I'm going to finish the broadcast. All right, guys. Thank you for everybody for tuning in. Until next time, everybody. I'm so tired.